All right, welcome listeners back to Get Inspired and Innovate. We have a great show for you today. We're going to talk about augmented ed- education. So, uh, Stephanie, I just got back from FETC, and I saw a lot of great things at FETC, a lot of new products that's coming out. And I know uh, TCEA uh, is fixing to come out down in Texas. There's going to be a lot of great things going on there. Uh, what are you seeing uh, in augmented reality and augmented education that you are using there in Ohio? So whenever we take the kit, because we've got like a big um, case with a bunch of material for virtual reality and augmented reality, and the kids just get so excited when they see that being wheeled down the hallway. Um, they're excited to know where they're going. Um, sometimes it's really good because it helps with the conversations for students to kind of help their learning. And then it also takes them to different places around the world. A lot of our students don't have those opportunities to go to some of these places. Um, Like one of the books that our sixth graders read um, takes place in Alaska. And a lot of students have never even been there. Um, I haven't even been there. So it's kind of hard to read about a place you've never been. And so when we get the virtual reality um, goggles out for them, they're able to go to a place where they've never seen. And it provides some really good conversations that the students have. And then when they read the book, they're able to make those different um, connections with that learning. Lance, what about you? Yeah, so very similar uh, situation, you know, students uh, reading stories and never been there before. Uh, one of the biggest ones that, that we've done lately is uh, Anne Frank, uh, and I, I think that one is online somewhere where you can just kind of walk through it even if you don't have the virtual reality headsets, but, you know, understanding what Anne Frank really went through in Germany and seeing where she where she was hiding, where she lived, really gave a different context to the students so that they could you know, kind of feel that environment, not only just read about it. Um, you know, and then we, we started dabbling early with uh, Google Expeditions, uh, which Google has a, a update coming to Chromebooks for Google Expeditions that's going to be coming out very soon. Uh, and then we went into to Merge Cubes after that. Uh, and now we are, we're at the place where we're starting to create our own content. So, so students are wanting to get out and uh, you know, do uh, 3D videos of the schools and, you know, then when they go on vacations and stuff, they're wanting to, to take pictures and bring that back and do some storytelling uh, with that, with some 3D cameras. Uh, so I, I'm really excited that we're starting to get to the, the creation phase. Uh, now, one barrier we do have, and maybe some of our listeners can help us with this barrier that we've ran into, is uh, we were using like HP Reveal. Uh, and we were using uh, the Daydream product, uh, but uh, the companies keep telling me that, you know, and we were using Erasmus originally before HP Reveal came. You know, the companies that we were using, though, keep telling us that they're going to start sunsetting these products. And, and I hate that word, sunset. I feel like I keep hearing that from, from some of our companies. Uh, so we're looking for a stable platform to where we can host these things and put these out there. So maybe some of our listeners can can give us some stable places that I feel like everybody's trying to do it, but nobody's got there yet. So we want somewhere we can host our content uh, and be able to use it. So listeners, if you got some some help for us, please uh, please chime in and let us know. And I think too, like that that's the biggest barrier is we want students to start creating these experiences. And I mean, Google Tour Creator came open and that's been helping, but they can't collaborate together on their tour. 
and that's a big barrier. So we've got to work around those and kind of figure that out. So hopefully very soon companies start to help with that process. Um, but hopefully also today's guest can also help us with this. Um, I know he's an expert and I have seen the movie Ready Player One. I know you're shocked, Lance. I am very shocked because you, you haven't seen very many uh, movies that we talk about on this show. Uh, so that brings us to our guest today. We have uh, David Hotler with us today. He currently resides in Spain, but he is originally from Columbus, Ohio. And I think that's pretty close to you, right, Stephanie? It is pretty close, about 20 to 30 minutes from where I'm at. Yeah, he is a level one, level two educator, Google certified trainer. And he was in the Google Certified Innovative class of Mountain View in 2016. Uh, he's currently working at the Amer uh, American School in Madrid and doing all kinds of cool projects there. So, David, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Lance. Thanks for having me. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you for uh, inviting me on. It's great to have you here. So, so what can you tell us? About what kind of projects and things are you working on in Madrid right now? Well, one of the things that we're really proud about is um, our ability to be flexible and also innovative at the same time. So some of the things that we do uh, are very experimental at first. And then when we find something that sticks, we typically dedicate um, a little bit more energy towards it and explore where it can really go. And one of the things that we did last year uh, was purchase some HTC Vive headsets. Um, HTC Vive is one of or if I'm not mistaken, four companies right now that are producing six degrees of separation, or excuse me, six degrees of freedom style headsets, um, also known as room scale virtual reality. Um, there's a lot of companies out there that are, that are allowing it to some degree, but HTC Vive is um, leading the industry in the hardware. And so we got interested in this technology uh, when we went to a school in Frankfurt, Germany, and we saw a geography teacher using Google Earth VR with his students. So we asked him to come to our school and give us a demonstration. And um, we were, frankly, we were blown away. He, he, he opened up a suitcase and started setting up tripods and what looked like little cameras. And it turns out these are infrared trackers that you put about seven meters apart. And it creates basically a square uh, in the inside of your room, wherever you're setting this up, a square virtual environment where when you're wearing the headset and you have the handles, you can walk around and interact with anything that's been overlaid into that virtual environment. And so um, the experience that he had some of the teachers do was uh, put on the headset and you, you open your eyes and you're standing inside of an elevator and he asks you to reach out and press a button on one of the floors. And just like elevators do, the door closes and you hear some nice elevator music. And then all of a sudden the doors open and you're looking out uh, as if the window of the building had been removed and, and you are standing right on the edge of the building. And just in front of you is a wooden plank. And uh, unbeknownst to the, to the person inside augmented reality, uh, this gentleman had placed an actual wooden board in front of you. And so he says, well, you know, the objective is to, is to walk to the edge of the plank and then turn around and walk back into the elevator. And now it's really easy to hear that and think, oh, that's nothing. You, you know, you're wearing this headset, you know that it's fake, and yada, yada. But I got to tell you, Lance, my palms are sweating and uh, I, I, <laughs> I had a lot of trouble walking out to the edge of that plank. Um, he had hijacked my visual 
it hijacked the the sound in my ears. And when I took one step forward and I realized there was actually a board there on the ground, my brain made some kind of weird primal monkey brain connection that it didn't like because I, I freaked out right away. And that's that's when we knew uh, that this was something we wanted to start experimenting with in our, in our class. Yeah, and I yeah, like how you involved a bunch of emotions. I think there's a ton of research on how like our senses and all the emotion that takes place really does foster learning. And that's some of this virtual reality experience is you said fear. I mean, if you're feeling a certain way, you know, you're gonna remember that experience. Um, so I think that's really interesting that that is how virtual reality could kind of help with education too, is by getting into all the different senses. My, um, talks about hearing, how you heard different sounds um, and then you saw what was going on, you know? So I think that could really help with um, students that really struggle with their learning. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think there's any way I would have took the very first step, just so you know, David. No, I, no I way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not stepping out on a ledge, and I, I don't care if it's real or not. I mean, how many floors up do they take you guys? I mean, it it looks like you're 100 floors off the ground. Um, yeah, no way, no way. <laughs> he he t also told me that when he's back in his school, he's got it set up so that uh, when the elevator doors open, uh, a fan out at the end of the plank turns on. And so not only do you hear the rush of the wind, you feel the rush of the wind. Uh, and he said that, you know, that really adds kind of that like fifth dimension to the whole thing. Uh, he's really freaked some people out when you, when you start adding in that, that augmented feel. But I like what you just said, Stephanie, about bringing in all the senses, because I don't think I've ever put someone in that headset and not heard them say just, wow, you know, right off the bat, you are immediately transported to somewhere else. Um, and a lot of our students need that, I think. In the, in, the, in the world that we're teaching in right now, our students are bombarded with notifications and websites and, and digital media content that's being created by companies that have millions of dollars to pump into this. And then they come to our classes and we have to try and compete with all these distractions and all these manufactured desires that they have for their phones and for YouTube and for Snapchat. And we have to try and teach them this content and we have to try and make it fun in some way. And I just love that, you know, you can take a piece of cardboard and fold it just right and put an old phone in it and get kids to say, wow, right off the bat. That's a pretty fantastic uh, teaching tool, if you ask me. So uh, I, I know that there's going to, I know that Facebook is really behind a lot of this VR, AR thing that's going on right now. Uh, and I've been told that there's like eye tracking and things like that. Do you, do you have any fear that uh, one, we're ever going to get to the matrix stage? Stephanie doesn't know what that is, but that's okay. Just, just hang with us for a second, Stephanie. Do you think we can ever get plugged in so much that we won't understand the difference between virtual augmented and, you know, actual reality? Second, uh, are you afraid of the marketing side of this? Of Facebook's going to be using this eye tracking to figure out what everybody's wanting to buy and then start messing with their heads so that they'll throw those ads up at the right time. Mm. Uh, to, to answer your first question, um, I don't know that humans are intelligent enough right now to, to know the difference. Uh, prove to me right now, Lance, that you're not dreaming. <laughs> so, uh, there you go. 
Yeah. Uh, and then two, number, uh, number two, I think, um, I'm not so much worried about Facebook. Honestly, uh, Facebook just this last week released, uh, more information for its users. You can now go on and look at your off Facebook activity. Essentially when uh, you visit a site that works with Facebook business tools and you use their site, they can report that information back to Facebook and Facebook now allows you to look at that tracking information. So I don't think that uh, a few thousand users using the eye tracking is going to give them much more than what we have as a society already given them when we check that little policy agreement box and say, okay, um, Facebook knows more about the people in America than I think they realize. And they're slowly revealing that on their website. Um, I spent about an hour and a half going through just the different settings um, and the different information that Facebook has about me and my actions and my movements on the internet. And it's pretty creepy because they work with so many companies. Um, so if you haven't checked out off Facebook activity, I highly recommend that you, you just give that a gander um, and just kind of look around at what they're collecting. I went on to Instagram just recently. I deleted Instagram off my phone over a year ago because I realized that I was um, spending more time on there than I, I, I wanted to. And this is a total side rant here, but um, on there, you can actually look at the, the words that they use to, to advertise to you. So the words that they've associated with your name in relationship to ads. And I was able to gather nearly a thousand different words that Instagram had saved about me. And I was able to identify at least 25 of those on that list were from the past year when I wasn't using the Instagram app. Uh, they came from using the WhatsApp app, which is a big chatting service over here in Spain. So just, um, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much about Facebook's virtual reality with eye tracking. <laughs> they're already, they're already a problem in my opinion. Right. You're right. I actually have a friend who, who worked for the government, had pretty high security uh, clearance levels. And they were talking about making uh, facial recognition software. And he said they didn't need to do it because Facebook had already done it for them. Yeah, there's there's definitely companies that scrape images that are freely available on the internet and are, are piling them up and making databases of faces that we're freely giving everyone. The age of selfies will come back to bite us in the butt, I think. Right. All right, so to get us back on track here, David, where, where do you see in the future for, for our students when, when they go into the workforce, um, how is this going to help with training and how is this going to help? What, what jobs is this going to open up in the future? Do you think? Well, we're already seeing companies using uh, headsets in a variety of different ways to engage um, not only their employees, but their customers, um, car companies, roller coaster manufacturers, um, you know, space flight simulators, any kind of simulator. They're already using headsets to, replace the screen essentially or replace the visual aspect while still engaging you in, in your other senses. So putting a headset on you sort of in the real world environment where you would experience something but overlaying a secondary simulation. And that to me is, is, is a form of augmented reality, even though your full visual field is being um, replaced by a virtual one. Um, so I think in the future, you're certainly going to see the infrastructure that you would need to support an industry that uses this much technology. Uh, they're getting much, much better. Um, HTC Vive just just released plans to, for their Cosmo headset. And essentially, 
instead of needing the fixed trackers in a room, uh, it will track you using cameras. And the idea is that it can start to uh, track your hands just by being able to see you. And so I think what you'll start to see is uh, perhaps police officers training in a facility where they can um, get more real-time information to their eyes than you could simulate, um, you know, that you would need real people for dangerous situations where you can overlay things. Firefighters learning the more mechanical tasks, technical tasks, same with submarine operators. I've seen simulators for all these things. I think um, in education, what we're starting to see is, um, at least where we are, huge advancements in science. Uh, traditionally, science is something, because it deals with such a finite uh, content, um, when, you, when you're talking about things that get really, really small, the, the barrier to viewing and interacting with those things is, is incredibly expensive equipment. Um, not every school, even the really, really nice ones can't afford electromagnetic tele, uh, microscopes and things like this. So when you start to bring in uh, virtual reality, you start to be able to simulate these places and allow kids to reach a new understanding of something. And I, I think as a technology integrator, that's really what my goal is. Uh, I want to level the playing field between the teacher and technology so that their students can reach a deeper learning in just less amount of time, right? If a teacher had more time to go over something else because a really complicated thing got explained really quickly, um, I don't need them to use technology every day. If I can do one thing and knock three days off of their lesson plans, you know, come to me once a month and, and, and we're in business. So um, when we can really hit them hard with uh, applications that let students build molecules and look at enzymes and uh, that's just, that's really where I think virtual reality is going to is a play out. I, I don't see full classes of kids getting into these headsets and leaning back into chairs and turning into potatoes. Um, I see kids hooking up heart rate monitors and doing this during PE when they have, uh, you know, they're on crutches or they're, they're not feeling well. And I've got kids tracking heart rates that are equal to the kids running around the track and they're playing a game where they're climbing something. So um, there's a lot of applications. For, for virtual reality in a school. And, and I see it turning into um, every school having one or two of these kind of in the corner where students and teachers can use them on a rotating basis, uh, station basis uh, type of pedagogical uh, methods. So as, uh, as teachers try to, you know, start going down this, this road, uh, what, what advice do you have for, for teachers getting started? Well, um, I would say don't be afraid to to step outside of your comfort zone a little bit with uh, asking for old telephones and things like that. The, 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 you know, the easiest place to get started is with Google Cardboard. Um, the most basic version of these Google Cardboard lets you basically take a piece of cardboard and turn it into a little um, headset and then put an old phone inside of it. And that's that's really the, the easiest way. And I, any of these stores around the here now sell these plastic versions of the same thing that allow you to strap a phone into it. And so I think when I was first getting started in the States with virtual reality, I was asking parents if anybody had old iPhones or anything that would still run, but didn't have a SIM card or anything uh, inside of it. So I would definitely say crowdsource it a little bit. If you don't have the budget to really go out right away and buy some headsets with screens built right in and that sort of thing. Um, two, I would then say, 
challenge your technology departments to look at these with the same value as an iPad or Chromebook. And so if we were thinking about buying two iPad carts this year, maybe we buy one iPad cart and a set of these headsets and just see uh, which one kind of adds more value to the classroom. Um, iPads are great. They've got a lot of augmented reality tools on them. I don't know if you've seen Adobe Aero just released and it is a fantastic platform for creating augmented reality videos um, because you can place a wide variety of their assets and then create triggers that animate those assets and then record videos. Um, fantastic new tool that just came out from Adobe. Um, and it joins a, a host of other augmented reality tools on the iPad as well that are just powerful. Um, and then the third thing that I would say is um, keep up with what the kids are doing that they like to do with virtual reality at home, outside of education. I've learned a lot about my virtual reality system from some of the kids who have one in their house uh, and they play games with them and they, you know, they patch them and hack them and they, you know, install crazy backend workshop things from steam. And, and you learn so much just by kind of putting like, letting my guard down a little bit and letting the kids get inside of it. Um, and just tinker around a little. Uh, I've got one student that I let loose in this game called Kleiny. And he, and before I knew it, he was building levels and sharing them with the other VR headset and then bringing his friends and they were trying to do these levels at the same time. And yeah, it's a game, but I tell you what, these kids get done and at the end of lunch and they're sweating and they're, you know, they had a blast and they created something and they shared it with someone else. And, you know, that, that's, uh, that's what education is supposed to be about. Yeah, I think it's also important to like say you don't need a class set of VR. Um, I think sometimes it's better when you do pair students up because of the conversations that they have. Um, I know when we've done it, it's always like, oh, look at that. Look at this. And the person might not have seen something if it wasn't pointed out to them and the conversations that they have and um, the connections that they make with their classmates. Yeah, I agree, Stephanie. We like to have safety buddies, too. Uh, because when you can't see anything and you're in a classroom full of a bunch of other people who can't see anything, <laughs> it can get a little hairy real quick. Uh, so I, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, we have found the best application is always station-based. So um, allowing kids, you know, there's another factor here in that sometimes kids don't like it and, and that's okay. And, and we can't force them to get in there, uh, especially if they don't like it. And so if if we roll one of these things into a classroom and every kid's excited and I'm not excited, uh, I can feel a lot of pressure to put that thing on. But if it's just a station in the corner and there's five of them um, and, and I can see kids going in and out and it's a shared experience, uh, it takes a little bit of the vulnerability away for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, we're gonna go to our next section, which is our meme and quote. So David, what quote or meme did you bring for this week? So I brought, um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Mr. Rogers, I grew up in the mid 80s watching Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street. And I was always moved by his quote, uh, there's not a person you can't learn to love once you've heard their story. And I think that's a real important thing to remember, um, especially just in the climate that we live in today with, it feels like there's, everybody's just kind of on edge a little bit. And we just have to remember we're all just humans and we're all in this together. And we're all just a bunch of bags of meat with monkey brains flying around the sun like space dust so <laughs> the quote that I brought um, kind of goes along don't be ashamed to share your story it will inspire others I think we need to be open and share our story because you never know who it's going to affect Lance 
Yeah, so mine's a little little different today. Uh, I, I went on the funny side of it. Uh, it's uh, and my English teachers out there, forgive me. It, I know it's improper English, but it's the way it was written. So just reading it here, it says, "You as broke, you as tired, you as an education major," and I feel like that that happens to us a lot. That uh, you know we we get so busy in education and we put so much of our own resources in. I'm sure David has bought many of these headsets and devices and things himself with his own money to test things out that, you know, uh, there goes our money and there goes our time. And uh, over time, it just wears us down, I think. So, so I want to tell our listeners, you know, take some time for yourself this weekend. I like it. All right. So David, what's something that you've learned this week that you could share with others? Uh, I, I gotta be honest with you. It wasn't this week. It was actually last week. I was at the uh, British education technology, uh, teaching technology conference called BET. It's basically the ISTE of Europe. Um, and it takes place every January in London and it was completely huge and massive. But the thing that really, uh, got me, of course, there was a thousand things that really <laughs> blew my mind. But one thing that really I'm going to take home to my classroom is, make blocks online lego mindstorm base coding platform it's all block based that looks just like scratch and uh we've got kids that are just really confused with the lego mindstorm software and then they look at this and they say oh i've been doing this since i was a little kid so it's really changed the way we're we're doing uh lego robotics at our school for sure awesome um i'm gonna have to look at that because we do a coding class and we need some new toys um so mine is students that you might struggle with getting clarity to students. I know a lot of my teacher kind of struggle with creating like lesson goals and different things like that. So this website, it's called the differentiator creates kind of that objective and helps you be more clear with your learning. And I really like it because you can just click, okay, am I focusing on the remembering stage, the creating stage? And it gives you some verbs to help you craft that message to students. Lance? All right, so one that I went with this week, I saw at FETC, uh, Dr. Shippey uh, was showing this on one of the ViewSonic panels, and it's called Draw Your Game. So you can actually go in, and you can do it on, on uh, paper, and you can draw out a little game for your guy to play. So we made like a Donkey Kong game of like the Donkey Kong, like he had barrels and stuff he had to jump over and stuff like that, and he had to get to the top and collect coins and stuff like that. But you could actually draw it out yourself, and you could put trampolines and stuff like that in there. And then you scan the paper, or, or in our case, we, we put it on a on a view board. You scan it, and then you could play it on your phone. And the kids that, that were coming by and playing with it really liked it because they could make their own game and then – you know, play it on their phone and doing it on the view board. It helped us because every now and then we would create like a jump that you, you couldn't make, uh, even with the trampoline. So, so the kids could quickly just erase it, change the color of it and then fix it real quick right there. So draw your game. It's an Android or iPhone app. Uh, I think you'll really like it. Very cool. All right. Thank you for tuning in this week. And David, how can people connect with you? Uh, you can certainly reach out to me on Twitter. It's my uh, first initial last name at D Hotler, H-O-T-L-E-R. All right. Thanks again for tuning in. If you would like to see the show notes, they are online at getinspiredandinnovate.com. We look forward to connecting next week. Thank you. Mm-hmm.